So, Father, we thank you that there's nothing to fear with you. That you are the supplier of all of our needs in every way. And so, Lord, we, we always want to be a family that's transparent and real. But, Lord, I pray against any plan of the enemy now to make someone feel guilty or ashamed or manipulated. We just lay this before you. This is, these are the facts. But, Father... You're the one that changes the facts. You're the one that turns situations around. And so we look to you for a breakout of power, a leaning in of people to come into the positions that you created them for, for them to thrive and play their part and make friends and grow in you. And we pray for the release of the resources of heaven, Lord, that we could do more than we could have ever done before to reach this community and this world with your good news. And Lord, as we come to your word on this Pentecost Sunday, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a new thing today. We need a new thing. We're desperate for a new thing. And everyone agreed and said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Right. Why don't you just encourage the person next to you and just say, you are looking mighty fine this morning. Why don't you just do that? Okay, and then if you point to someone else and say to them, you should have tried a bit harder. I'm just going to be honest with you. No, don't do that. Don't do that. That was a joke. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, We're in this Disciple Maker series where we're figuring out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus who helps other people follow Jesus. And... um, and I love how like each message so far, and if you've missed the previous four messages, like grab them on our podcast or the YouTube channel. Like they've had like each has had a little mic drop moment, like where everyone who's preached has said for me, like one line was like, oh, okay, that that was an interesting line that kind of got to me. And this morning, as we think about Pentecost Sunday, I, I wanna throw out this rhetorical question. Are you in the way or are you on the way? Are you in the way of what God is trying to do, or are you on the way? Because what's interesting, if you look at the book of Acts, and uh, if you want to make a note of some of these scriptures, what you see is one of the ways that the first church were described, not just disciples, not just Christians, but they were described as followers of the way. Followers of the way, not fans, but followers. Acts chapter 9, verse 2, Saul he wants to imprison and kill those who belong to the way. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24, we're introduced to Apollos, who we're told has been instructed in the way. In Acts chapter 19, verse 9, we're told that non-believers are bad-mouthing people on the way. Acts chapter 19, 23, a riot kicks off in Ephesus because of the way. And in Acts 24 verse 14, the Apostle Paul talks about being a follower of the way. Now this word, the way, is the Greek word hodos, and and it literally means a way of traveling, a way of journeying, a way of behaving, a way of thinking, a way of speaking, a way of feeling, a way of doing life which is what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that when we said yes to Jesus, we're not inviting, uh, we've not been invited into a religious club. 
We've not invited into this thing that says, okay, there are lots of different compartments to my life. This is my Jesus bit of life. This is my financial life. This is my work life. This is my play life. This is my relational life. This is my uh, whatever, you fill in the blank. That's a fandom approach to faith. We compartmentalized our faith and just said, Jesus is in this bit, but I'm in control of all the other bits. Like the early church understood, if you're following Jesus, you are embracing a complete way of life that touches everything you do, impacts everything you do. We're called to be followers of the way where Jesus is in the center. But it wasn't always the case for the early church, those disciples. They weren't always on the way, but something catalytic happened on Acts chapter 2. Because if you look at Peter, for example, Peter was one of uh, the 12 disciples, one who features prominently both in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. Um, Peter, before Pentecost, is, he is, as I like to describe him, if you're a fan of the Simpsons, the Homer Simpson of the disciples. He is one of these guys that he says and does things, and then about a week later he realizes he shouldn't have said or done those things. Like He's one of those guys who has permanently his foot in his mouth. I don't know if you know any Christians like that. Just, just look around the room just for a second. But Peter was like that. He's the guy that, like, you know, he just says stupid stuff. He does stupid stuff. He said to Jesus, I would never deny you. And yet a few hours later, he does it. Uh, when, when Jesus dies, he just thinks, I'm just going to go back to fishing. You know, this following Jesus thing obviously isn't for me because it, even at that point, it was a compartment in his life. And he, he basically kind of gets it wrong. And then in Acts chapter 2, as we're about to read, something happens to Peter and he is forever changed. He goes from being fearful to faithful, from cowardice to courageous, from denying to declaring. And he is never the same again. And what happens is Acts chapter 2. And, and so we're just going to read four verses from Acts chapter 2, the opening four verses. Because I'm aware for me... And for us as a church, even as we think about pounds, people, and, and, uh, and power, all that kind of stuff, we need a brand new Acts 2 moment in this church. We need one. I need one in my life. And not just now, I need it every single day. A fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. So here we go. Is everyone ready? Good. Speak to me today. Come on. If, if ever there was a day where we can be a little bit Pentecostal, it's got to be Pentecost Sunday, okay? So like, so say yes, no, help him, Jesus. Finish, Matt, please. I don't care what you say, but just speak to me a little bit. Okay, here we go. First four verses. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, if you read the rest of the story in Acts chapter 2, you'll see the church then breaks out into the street, not a holy huddle, that's not where we're supposed to be, and Peter, who literally days earlier had denied Jesus, has this boldness, full of the Holy Spirit, to speak to thousands and thousands of people, and at least 3,000 people choose to become followers of Jesus that day. Thanks, Celine. That is, that, that is awesome. Does anyone think that's awesome? Like... Can you imagine, like, you know, if we were out and we were doing that and then just like thousands of people came to know Jesus that day? 
Come on. Come, like this matters. Eternities are at stake here. This matters. And, and so we see this change in Peter's life. What, what was the Holy Spirit up to? Why do we need the Holy Spirit as much today as he did then? And all I want to do is I want to look at these two symbols that we see in these four verses. Wind and fire. What was the wind about? What was the fire? And that's going to tell us four things today that we need about the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to, in our response, we're going to take communion together as our recommitment to Jesus. And then we're going to pray for a crazy power of God to come and fill us. Is anyone up for that? More, that's good. Come on. Felicity even punched the air, so I'm with you, Felicity. Come on now. Okay, so we get these. So they're praying, they're praying all in unity. Notice that. All in unity, saying, come on, God, come on, God. That's what we want to do this month. Come on, God. Come on, God. And the first thing that happens is they hear the sound of a mighty wind. Now, now wind symbolizes lots of things, but let me mention two. The first thing that wind wind symbolizes, and Peter would have got this because he's a fisherman. What does wind do? It blows your boat. Wind directs you. Wind brings purpose. And so Peter understands that basically wherever the wind blows, that is where you're going. That is where you're going. And that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And we've, we've talked about it already. We want the Holy Spirit, not us, but to direct our footsteps. We need God to show us what to do in our own personal lives and as a church. Let me give you an example of this about how this happened to Peter. If you look later at Acts chapter 10, so this is uh, seven, eight chapters later, and Peter's in a place called Joppa, and he has this crazy dream. And in the dream, the Holy Spirit basically says to him, someone's about to come to your door, and they're going to ask you to leave Joppa and come with them and go to Caesarea and meet a guy called Cornelius, who's a Roman guy, a Gentile, and tell him about Jesus. Holy Spirit directing, Holy Spirit bringing purpose. Now, Peter would have had two instinctive issues with this. Number one, like Jews don't mix with Gentiles. Like, this is not what you do. This is like Man Man U and Man City fans, you know, hanging out. It just doesn't happen. Okay, he's like, you know, he wouldn't want to do that. But the other thing is, I don't know if you know this, that Caesarea is 40 miles away. It's 40 miles away. There's no, there's no car, there's no coach, there's no easy jet, although not that that would be much help at the moment. It's like none of that kind of stuff. So this is like, not only is he going to see a Gentile, but he's got to walk for days to go and see this Gentile. But he does it because the Holy Spirit told him to do it. And he has learnt that it's the Holy Spirit that orders his path. He goes where the Spirit is leading. I remember a few years ago, uh, quite comically really, I felt like God was saying to me, again, I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I've learned over the years these strong impressions, these thoughts, pictures that don't leave me. And I remember God saying to me, Matt, you've got to stop rowing and start sailing. Now, there's a number of people in this house this morning who are great at rowing. But God wants us to sail. And the difference is, like, if you're a rower, you have a sense, okay, the goal is this. I need to kind of get over there, or, you know, whether it's becoming like Jesus or this particular project or what have you. You get in your boat and you row. You're rowing, you're rowing, and you're going you're gonna to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But that's not the way the Holy Spirit works, because that's all with you. 
what the Holy Spirit invites us to do is to get into the sailboat, put up the sails, and go where the wind blows. And when I had this word from God all these years ago, I'd never actually sailed before. Has anyone sailed? Has anyone sailed before? Okay, so you'll know. Like At the time when I had this thing about sailing, not rowing, I had this like idyllic picture that I would be in a sailboat, and I'd have my feet up like that, and, and the thing would be, and I'd just be going along, and it's, like, not, it's not hard work, is it sailing? I discovered it is hard work. But it's a different kind of work because what you're doing is you're cooperating with the wind. And we still got to where we needed to get to, but we were over here and then we were over there and then we were over here and then we were over there. But then we got to where we needed to be, but the wind took us there. Some of us need to ask that question today. Am I, am I rowing or sailing? Am I trying to do all this in my own strength? Or, or will I receive the directive, purposing, planning wind of the Spirit? to order my steps. It's that prayer, simple Holy Spirit prayer. We say, Holy Spirit, whatever you're up to today, count me in. Whatever you're up to. So wind symbolizes that. But the second thing, of course, that wind symbolizes, and we feel it in this, is power. Power, crazy power. And again, the, the power of God came upon Peter so much. Let me read just three verses from Acts chapter 5 as a result of this ongoing Holy Spirit encounter. Acts chapter 5 verse 14 to 16 says this. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. And as a result, people brought the sick onto the streets, lay them in their beds and mats, so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Someone say all. All. All of them were healed. All of them were healed. All of them were healed. All. We had a, an encounter night, didn't we, a couple of times ago, Pam, and we were talking about like all of them. All of them. No, 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 you're not hearing me. No, no, no. All of them were healed. All of them were healed. I, I want to be in that kind of meeting. Like when the power of God breaks out and everyone, everyone who comes, they know they're healed. Physically healed, emotionally healed. You come in and you're bound. Like a friend of mine, you know, Mark, Mark Ritchie, he was preaching years ago at a youth gig. And, uh, and a local drug addict had heard that... Um, that there was going to be a big gathering for young people. And so he thought, great, I'm going to go there and I'm going to sell loads of drugs at this place. He didn't know what kind of gathering it was. And so he kind of comes into this place and he's all these kids singing about Jesus. And he thinks this is a bit weird and, and he can't seem to find anyone who's interested. Then my friend Mark gets up to speak. He preaches Jesus. This guy has the conviction of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that does it. Something happens in that moment. He gets immediately free of his drug addiction. He gets saved and he meets Mark five years later to introduce himself as a pastor of a local church that is the power of the Holy Spirit now I'm not talking triumphalism and stuff but I just want some of that some of that we need the power of the Holy Spirit it's what Jesus did powerful gifts Ephesians 4 Romans 12 1 Corinthians 12 the Paul talks about these supernatural gifts faith healing miracles tongues interpretation prophecy words of knowledge leadership all of these different things Holy Spirit empowered giftings that gets the work of the kingdom done not giving glory to us but giving glory to God giving glory to God 
I'll tell you a funny story that um, some years ago, I think it was back in 2017, I was, I was, oh no, no, this is 2010. The very first time we did a mission trip with 25 of our young people joining an entire group of 150 young people building houses in Tijuana, Mexico, 2010. And uh, uh, we were building in the day and in the night. We had these kind of big tent meetings and stuff. And I spoke the first night, my friend Phil the second night. And the third night, the Sunday night, was Pastor Juan. Which is John, for those of you who aren't as good at Spanish as me. <laughs> Pastor Juan. Now, Pastor Juan did not speak any English. Uh, very, uh, so he had a Spanish interpreter, and so he came up to me, and we got this interpreter, and he said, how long should I speak for? And I said, about 20 minutes or so, and he goes, uh, okay, that's fine, and remember, all interpreted, so he kind of gets up, and you know, after we've done essentially what we did, we sung some songs, and Pastor Juan gets up, and he, and, uh, and he opens his Bible, and he, he reads a verse from Romans, and then he speaks for about 10 minutes. And let me just be honest with you, like, you know, as an experienced speaker, and an experienced speaker to young people, like, you know, I've been preaching to young people for three decades. I know how to speak to young people. Isn't that right, Jazz? <laughs> okay, more, more, Angie. I know, I know. He was bad, people. He was, he was bad. He was shocking. He was like, he was, I, I was just like, this is not, I remember I was sitting at the side of the stage and he was, Pastor Juan was facing this way and, and I was just like, oh, like that's, I don't think they'll understand a word he said. I mean, of course they couldn't, but he had an interpreter, you know. And uh, anyway, he says, then he says, bow your you know, head, and, you know, and uh, so I'm sitting at the side, and he says, right, so, it's, and so I'm it's at the side with my eyes closed, and he said, um, and so if there's anyone here who wants to give their life to Jesus, would you put your hand up right now? And I'm just like, oh, come on, let's just get to the final song, like no one's going to respond to that. And then he pauses, and then he goes, those of you who've put your hand up, would you now stand? And then he says... Would those of you now standing please come to the front? And I heard the sound of metal chairs clanging together as over 25 young people came to the front, five from our own group, and the Holy Spirit went, oh, and you thought it was about you. Yeah. <laughs> it's never about you. It's never about how good you are at anything. It's not the most I could ever do when I speak is maybe entertain you, but entertainment won't change you, but encounter with the Holy Spirit will. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's always the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we don't need to worry. When we were praying earlier, Ange had a word that, you know, sometimes we feel inadequate. And the Lord says to us, you are inadequate, but it's my power at work in you that brings the change, the difference. We need that. Funny tail end to the story. The following year, we're back in Mexico. Pastor One's back for Saturday, Sunday night. I'm like, come on, Pastor Juan. I've learned my lesson. I've learned my lesson. I've, I've realized Holy Spirit conviction is not about me. It's about the Holy Spirit. And so Pastor Juan says to me, he says, okay, Matt, uh, going to do something a little bit different. Remember, this is all interpreted. He said, I've got my youth group with me. I've got my youth group with me. And what they're going to do, they're going to do a little sketch, and then I'm going to preach, and then we'll do a response. I was like, great. Great, love young people. So, so he's got this group of 13-year-olds, and we have this terrible PA with a generator almost deafening it in the background. And they've got this, this Mexican rap song, and they're putting it against the, uh, their mobile phone. So like, really couldn't understand anything that was going on. And then they do this play over the top of this music. And the play was basically these two 13-year-old boys who obviously got into a gang and it was bad. And then one of them gets saved. One of them meets Jesus. And then, it's a happy one, um, and then they both get shot by a drive-by killing. And then in this, 
Then, of course, they both um, passed away. One goes to heaven and they're hugged, and the other one goes to hell. And in, this, in, this, in their version of the events, the one that goes to hell is, is now leaning down like this. And there are three young people who are kind of miming, beating him with a stick over this. And, and, and it went on for like, there was another minute left of the track. So we had this whole scene of like beating, beating, beating. I'm like, oh, this is a nightmare. Please come and rescue it, Pastor One. So Pastor One, he gets up and he goes this. Everyone bow your heads. And then he says, if there's anyone here who wants to give your life to Jesus and put your hand up, would you put your hand up right now? And I was just like, no, 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 no. You know where this is going, don't you? About 20 young people came to the front and gave their life to Jesus, including two boys in their 17 years old, not from my group, who on the first night we arrived in San Diego, the manager of the hotel knocked me on my door at 2.30 in the morning, said, I'm going to call the police on those boys if you don't sort them out. And then I saw those boys three days later weeping at the front. It's not you. It's just your willingness to be full of the Spirit and see his power. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, here we go. Neil says I need very focus. Just pray for healing. I'm too tight for her very focus. Okay, verse 3, verse 3. We're nearly done. We're nearly done. Okay. Anyone love Jesus in this house? Okay, cool, good. Might in the right place. So, so the wind, the wind is about Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. The, and it's about the power. And then in verse 3, we get this weird thing. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. That is weird, isn't it? That is strange. Have any of you seen that? There's a video clip that you can see on YouTube of two choir boys walking down a center aisle and, uh, in a church. And they've got one of these, these big candle things in front of them. And uh, about 14, 15 years old. And as they're walking down, they get to the front. The guy's filming it. And uh, the guy at the front's got this big head of hair. And he sets fire to his hair. And his mate next to him, he looks horrified. And then just ignores it. <laughs> and it's not until the guy thinks, I smell something. He's a little bit off. And he has this moment of panic. That was not what was going on in this scene. Fire appears on these guys. And yet they don't burn up. And again, lots of things that fire symbolizes. But let me mention two things before I close. And the first thing that fire represents in in the Old New Testament is God's refining, God's purifying presence. The refiner's fire. God is called a refining fire in Malachi 3, verse 2 to 4. And why is he refining us? Why do we need the Holy Spirit to refine us to make us more like Jesus? And he's not a forest fire. He's not a forest fire that is destroying everything in its past. He is a refining fire. Because what a refining fire does is it gets rid of all of the impurities and brings out the gold. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. All of the impurities of, of jealousy and anxiety and worry and fear and, and lust and addiction and hate and self-centeredness and self-righteousness. All of those impurities, the Holy Spirit wants to be at work in us to burn those away and bring out the gold of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and justice and generosity, bringing out the gold. You know, the, the, the greatest testimony I think that Peter ever received, you find in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Not the miracles, not the preaching, not the healing of the sick. 
He, he and John have just healed this lame guy in Acts chapter 3. And in Acts chapter 4, they're brought in front of the authorities. And the authorities say to them, whatever you do, stop talking about Jesus. But notice this. This is, this is in verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. They knew the way these guys are behaving, the way these guys are speaking, the way these guys are thinking, they look like, they sound like, they smell like, they, in every way, they're like Jesus. That is the best testimony anyone could ever give you, that they see more of Jesus in you. And that is what the Holy Spirit is there to do, to make us more like Jesus. That's why, again, another great prayer every morning. Father, thank you that you love me. Fill me with your spirit. Make me more like Jesus. Make me more like Jesus. Good for me. Good for the world. It brought the change in Peter. And then finally, everyone say finally. finally. Great. Still with me. Fire represents passion. 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 And we see that contrast again amazingly in Peter, don't we? That, that a few days earlier, he's hiding away. And in Acts 2.14, it actually literally says, if you look later, it says, Peter raised his voice. He raised his voice. I said to Simon, where's Simon? My friend Simon Garson. I said, the other day, I arrived at... Um, at London St Pancras and when I got to London St Pancras I saw two escalators ahead of me Simon was there Simon was there and I thought oh, what a good Christian would do is catch up with him and, uh, and kind of hang out with him for a bit but I thought well I'll call out at least so I went Simon <laughs> Simon Simon so at least I could say to him afterwards I called out to you <laughs> but um I know I'm a terrible Christian. He, he was going one way and we were going another. But, but the point is, in this moment, when Peter stands up, he's not going, everybody, everybody. He literally raises his voice because he is passionate about Jesus. He is passionate. He can't keep it to himself. And that's what we see in that bit in Acts 4.18. When the authorities say to Peter, James, and, uh, Peter and John, do not speak. Verse 20, this is what Peter says. We cannot help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. We cannot help it. It was that great message that Amy gave. I loved it. Note this one down. I don't have to, but I have to. That's the difference. I don't have to. I don't have to talk about Jesus. I don't have to pray. I don't have to serve. I don't have to give. I don't have to share my faith. I don't have to do any of those things. But I have to do it because it's got me in the bones. I am passionate. And that's why we call this church Zio. Because it means passion. And we don't mean it as something to stick on the wall. We mean it's something to live throughout our hearts. And, and this is the crazy thing. Like, you know, we see it on social media, on your social media, my social media, or when we're talking to friends. We'll tell people about a great movie that we've seen. We'll tell people about a great meal that we've had. We'll even take a photo of the food. Like, we're, we'll, we'll do all of those things. We'll post all of that stuff on social media. We'll get to work tomorrow and we'll say, oh, wasn't the Queen's Jubilee thing good? Or did you watch the Robbie Williams concert? Like, we'll tell all those things. But, like, if we're really passionate about Jesus, then we'll say, you know, what the highlight of my weekend was coming with God's people and having a life-changing encounter with Jesus because he changes lives he changes lives passion that overflows like you didn't see like Manchester City when they won the league the fans didn't go hey hey they didn't think of all those people who gathered yesterday for the queen 
And it's not about being extrovert or introvert or charismatic or non-charismatic. I'm sure that that sea of tens of thousands of people were full of extroverts and introverts who were being passionate in their own way to say, we appreciate you. We think you're great. Like, you know, I know there are a couple of people from this church who were at Robbie Williams uh, last night. I saw that on Facebook this morning. And, and like, again, you, 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 you kind of don't get a sense that like when Robbie came on, everyone's just like, oh, it's great to see Robbie. It's great to see him like, like Robbie! Robbie! Like that, because that's what people do when they're passionate, don't they? Where's the passion in the church? Like, where is that same passion? I'm, I'm like, passion as it looks like for you, for you. Because this is not, we're not talking about Manchester United. We're not even talking about the Queen. We're not, we're not talking about Robbie Williams. We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the fairest of 10,000 and the bright and morning star. He is the way, the truth, the life, the resurrection and the life. He's the very bread of life. He's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. He is good. He is God. He is faithful. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's Jehovah Peace, uh, my peace. He's Jehovah Rapha, God, my healer. He's Jehovah Nissi, God, my banner. He is my rock, my fortress, my hiding place, my strong tower. I, I can hide under the shadow of his wings, and yet on him I can soar on the wings of eagles. I can run and not grow weary. I can walk and not faint. He is Jesus. He is flipping amazing. He's amazing. It's not God Almighty, he's God Almighty. He's incredible, he's amazing. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. If you don't feel passionate today, whatever passion looks like to you, I'm saying don't be like me, be like you with passion. What's passion look like to you? And what, what, what turned Peter into this passionate folly? It was the Holy Spirit, it was simple. This simple moment, the Holy Spirit directs our lives releases divine power, transforms us to become more like Jesus, and stokes our passion. And Jesus made it really, really easy. He says, you want the Holy Spirit? Just ask. Luke eleven thirteen. If you, though, you, though, know how, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You just ask. Every day. And you, and you do ask every day. We're not after a one-off encounter. Remember, following Jesus is not a decision, it's decisions. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is something we do every day. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me, drench me, immerse me, baptize me, soak me, drown me. Consume me with your Spirit, God. Consume me that you would order my steps, that your power would be at work through me, that I'd become more like Jesus, and that it will be obvious to the whole world that you are the King of all creation. Does anyone in this house need more of the Holy Spirit? I think I should preach this message again. <laughs> Let's stand. Should we stand? Guys, come forward. And I guess, you know, that's the point, really, is the band come and lead us in this song, and we're going to come to the table of communion. Is As passionate as I am and as much as I long for all of us and all of me to get this and to live this, I can't, I can't do it. And I'm not supposed to. Only he can do this. Only he can do it. Pastor Juan taught me that. Only he can do it. And so what we're going to do, we're going to have two parts to this response. We've got just over 10 minutes or so. Because in order for us to be filled with the Spirit, we want first to be submitting to Jesus and coming to the table. Jesus invites us to a table. And we come to this table 
symbolic, bread broken like his body was broken on the cross. Blood shed, we drink the wine, the juice, reminding that he spilt his blood for us. And so we come to this table as a way of saying, God, thank you for all that you've done. Forgive me afresh. I want to say a fresh yes to you. I'm going to decide again for you. And so when you come, if you want to take communion this morning, that's, that's your response. I'm asking you to decide again for Jesus. Make a choice again today for Jesus. And these guys are going to sing over us as we do that. You can join in the song. And then we're going to just pray in our last five minutes for the Holy Spirit then to fill us. Two-part in response. Is that okay? So, um, so don't wait. Uh, just as these guys lead us, do come forward and allow this to be your first response where you're saying, Jesus, I recommit myself to you because you are amazing. Forgive me, change me, transform me, I pray. And then I'll come back and I'll lead us in a prayer to be freshly filled with God's power. Okay, let's do this.
take some time over these next three or four minutes and just invite us to to respond in that way just simply ask just right where you are doesn't matter what God's doing with anyone else that you're just saying Jesus fill me with your spirit Jesus fill me with your spirit hurry we've got we've got a few minutes Jesus fill us with your spirit this is your this is your moment of encounter with God don't miss it don't miss it fill me with your spirit fill me with your spirit Change my heart. Change my heart, Lord. 
we're just encouraged in Scripture to wait on God. Always in so much of a rush, but we wait on God. This moment will be gone shortly. Don't, don't miss it. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit, God. Change me. Make me more like Jesus. Make me more like Jesus. Your power at work in and through me. Fire up a passion in me, Lord Jesus. Fire up a passion in me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. spiritual awakening God that's only from you pray today for each and every one of us that we would grow in our openness to you, our longing for you. Lord, I pray that you would build in us that simple daily habit. Thank you that you love me. Fill me with your spirit. Make me like Jesus. Help me to join in with what you're doing. Thank you that you love me. Fill me with your spirit. Make me more like Jesus. Help me to join in with what you're doing. That's our simple prayer, Lord. our simple prayers, all we have to offer, but we know it's a prayer that you love to hear. Answer prayer, we pray, for our good 
for the good of the whole world around us and for your glory. And everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen.